Thank you for tuning in to the Life Church podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we hope and pray that God moves in a mighty way in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. Good deal. If you got your life notes, go ahead and pull them out with me. If some reason you missed the uh, um, ushers as you came in this morning, you can always go to the Life Church of Alabama app, go to Sunday Resources, and there's actually a place you can fill in the notes and then email them to yourself. So pretty cool a resource there, especially for those of you who are watching via our live stream uh, this morning. But uh, as you um, get those out and get prepared, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. We'll land there here in a few minutes. Uh, but I do want to echo, VBS starts this week. We've got a pretty busy week going on. Uh, VBS starts this week. There'll be no Wednesday night Bible study here at our Hartzell campus. Uh, if you're watching via online for our Coleman campus, there will be Wednesday night services uh, still offered there. Um, and I believe the youth are still going to meet and uh, translate down to, am I right, Pastor Curtis? At 5.30, are going to translate and go down to our Coleman campus uh, this Wednesday night, all right? So VBS will be going on. No adult classes will be taking place. Um, so uh, you can check that out. And then Saturday is our serve day. This will be our third year to do this, and the Lord just grabbed a hold of it and, and made it uh, bigger. Uh, we uh, actually have been in tandem with the Hartzell Chamber this year. There are other nonprofits, other churches who are jumping on board, and we are literally attacking projects all over the city. So the way we're starting the morning, Saturday morning, is there different rally spots. Instead of doing one big rally like we did last year, uh, we're going to have different rally spots spread around the city just to help with some of the uh, social distancing and not having a big crowd um, together. So all of the Life Church folks and a few other organizations will join us at the venue at 7 a.m. We'll have breakfast together. Uh, Senator Stott Stadehagen is going to speak to us. Arthur Orr, Senator Arthur Orr will speak to us um, and kind of rally us uh, to get fired up to go serve. And then we're going to go love on the community, all right? So if you got it, say, I got it. All right, come on. Y'all don't sound like you got it. Sound like you got something, but you didn't get it, all right? <laughs> and so uh, turn a person beside you and put a smile on your face, all right? Tell them the joy of the Lord, your strength this morning, so you don't uh, walk around sad or upset uh, or any of those aspects, amen? These last few weeks, and I understand we, we've went a little long here this morning, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach quick and fast and encourage if you can listen fast, it will grab a hold of what I believe the Lord wants to say to us today. These last few weeks, I've been processing personally um, a, a principle that I've been asking the Lord to bring revelation to in my own life, and it's the principle that we picked up last week from Luke chapter 17 with the story of the 10 lepers, and the 10 lepers came to Christ, and um, they he, he told them, go to the uh, priest, and as they went, they were cleansed and they were healed. And as that one leper out of the ten returned back to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, your faith has made you whole. And so we've entitled this message series, Be Made Whole. And you may say, Brad, what does it really mean to be made whole? Because I believe with everything inside of me, hear me this morning, I believe you can be saved but not set free. I believe that you can be healed but not truly made whole. Whole. I believe in this place you can have, uh, you can be rich but absolutely be broken poor. You can be married and be lonely. What are you trying to say 
today, Brad, is that there is, is as a human being, as an individual, that Christ came to save your soul and to, to, to let you know him and him to be yours. But I believe that the full message of the gospel after salvation, I know him as my savior, but this journey of knowing him as my Lord, is he wants to complete the process in your life and for you to be whole mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, every area of your life that he would go into every nook and cranny and crevice and every little detail of your life is surrendered and submitted to him and that you could say, Lord, I'm saved and I am whole, that you have made me whole, that this pursuit of wholeness in your life, that I believe the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, that he reached this place of wholeness when he said, I am content in all things. See, too many of us join and, and, and find uncontentment. We find that we're missing something. And Brad, there's just a part of my life missed. I'm, I love God with all my heart, but something's missing. And today, I believe before you walk out of here that the Lord can bring a revelation to your heart and let you walk in the wholeness of him. I asked the Lord, I said, show me why we all feel like we're so empty. And I believe we have to go back all the way to the point and place to whenever there was unhindered, unadulterated, unfiltered relationship with God. And it was in the cool of the day as Adam and Eve would walk with God in the garden. Go read in Genesis. It says they would have conversation. And I said, well, why did Jesus have to come and die on the cross for our sins and it was just so we can be saved? And I believe it was so much more than that. Luke 19 tells us that he come to seek and save that which was lost. And the question is, what was lost? And I believe one of the elements that you and I must understand what was lost, it was that unfiltered relationship with the God of the universe, with his creation. And so for you and I, as we can understand what does it look like to walk with my God, and I believe it's that wholeness that we can begin pursuing. So this is going to be a totally different way of thinking for some of us in this room. And so Adam and Eve stood in the garden, and as they stood in the garden, God told them, he said, you can eat of all the trees, all the fruit, everything that's pleasing to your eye. And there were two trees in that garden. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. And they could eat of that tree of life. They could eat of all the other trees, but he said, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. And I want you to hear me loud and clear today because I believe this is the vice that the enemy holds so many hearts of, of people today in, is that he convinces them, just like he convinced Eve there in front of that tree, that there's a part of your life missing. You can't be whole until you get what you want. You can't be whole till you have this. And some of you say, I can't be whole till I have that right relationship. I can't be whole till I make this amount of money. I can't be whole because of my hurt and pain in my past. I can't be whole because so-and-so don't believe in me. I can't be whole because of this situation or what my last name is or what I've been through. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And today, God wants to make you whole. We have to quit eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to find something that completes us and start eating of the tree of life, which is a relationship with the living. God. Can I get an amen this morning? Come on, somebody. Say, Brad, okay, I laid it out there for you. Now we're going to walk through. And I want to show you last week, and I'm, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to paraphrase some of this so we can get it. Last week we talked about these 10 lepers. And this one leper who spun around and he came back to Jesus. And this week I said, Lord, I said, why did he come back? 
And I believe there's a little nugget of truth that I, that I found, and it's this. Hear me today. That he realized he had access to a relationship that he previously didn't have. Whenever the, Jesus came into the city as a leper, they had to live ostracized. And they had to declare when they would walk in the city, leper, leper, unclean, unclean. And they were not allowed to get close to other people. And so this leper knew he couldn't be in relationship with Jesus because of the disease that he was carrying. And all of a sudden, God made him a whole and he had the ability to have access. Everybody say access. Access to Jesus that he couldn't have before. And for you and I, when you realize that you have access, in the Old Testament, they had access into the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement and have access to the presence of God. For you and I, whenever Jesus hung on that cross and seek and save that which was lost, here's the good news today. The Bible says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom so that you and I have access to a relationship that even the men and the women in the Old Testament didn't have. You have access to a relationship with Jesus that other men and women could not say yes to. And when you realize this access is available, my friend, it brings you to a whole new level and a whole new place. Are you with me today? I'm going to go through four points. Two of these points is going to look really familiar to you because it's going to echo what we talked about last week. Second Kings chapter number five, a little bit lengthy, but just hang tight with me. We're going to talk about Naaman and who Naaman was, all right? Uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He had all the accolades, the awards, the medals on his chest, he was highly regarded, highly esteemed. He was a leader of leaders, a valiant warrior and a valiant soldier. But he had this issue of leprosy in his life. And so all of a sudden, just like the ten lepers, they'd heard these stories about Jesus. I want you to see this. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she had served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria would he cure him of his leprosy? Naaman went to his master and told him that the girl from Israel had said, by all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel, with that letter I am sending my servant Naaman so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Watch this. Verse number seven, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes. Am I God? Can I bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. Number one there in your notes, just like it was number one last week, right? Simply is this. It is about positioning yourself. Naaman had heard stories had heard a story from a little young girl of where he can get his miracle, where he can get his healing. The 10 lepers had heard stories about this man named Jesus. The 10 lepers decided to position themselves where they could call out and get God's attention. 
Naaman decides, I've got to go get in the right position. How does this apply to you and I? The greatest position you'll ever be in, my friend, is to position yourself in the presence of the living God. He inhabits the praises of his people. There's a reason why we sing praise and worship to start our church service. It's not so we can have a moment to get our groove on and to clap and hear cool words to a song. It's because we understand his presence will show up where it's invited. When you begin to position yourself, just you coming to church this morning, maybe you didn't feel like coming. And I'm not saying the pre- by any means, I'm not saying the presence of God is limited to this building. Uh, I believe his presence will show up in your car, to show up at your home, or show up at your workplace, anywhere that you make a choice and decision to say, I'm going to position myself in the presence of the living God. Naaman could have crossed his arms and said, well, if God wants to heal me of this leprosy, then he can just send a prophet to me and he can send somebody to come and do healing. And I'm, I'm just going to sit here and just wait. But Naaman made a choice and decision to position himself. You and I must make a choice and decision to position ourselves in the presence of God if we want to have an encounter with the king. That's a really good preaching point. You don't have to say, man, it don't hurt my feelings at all, all right? But let's practice just for the fun of it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. And when you learn that the presence of God is greater than anything that Facebook has to say to you in the morning, that anything that CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC has to say to you, that you need to start your day positioning yourself in his presence. When I position myself in his presence, I'm positioning myself for a miracle and a breakthrough in my life. And it's exactly what Naaman did. It's exactly what the 10 lepers did. But then number two happens there in your notes this morning is this, is that you move with his word. It's your choice. Here's what happened in this story. All right, I'll speed it up and paraphrase it for you. The king says, how in the world am I going to be able to make this happen? Matter of fact, listen to me today. It's, it's, it's an understanding. Kind of interesting that Naaman's first person he went to to try to position himself was the government. Can I help you today? And you can hear me, quote me, tweet me, whatever you want to, Facebook Live, is that your government, your, po- uh, your political uh, posture, Democrats, Republican, the halls of Congress are not the answer to cure us from the leprosy we have in our souls today. And so Naaman went first to the king and thought that the king was going to give him the answer that he needed, my friend, in the leprosy of our nation, the leprosy of sin that is rampant inside of us. You can look everywhere else for all the answers, and the only place you'll ever get that answer is from the king of kings and the Lord of lords, not from the kings of this world, not from the kings and the senators and the congressmen of this nation. Are you women? You can't legislate hate out of somebody's heart. You can't legislate uh, sin out of somebody's heart. And so it comes whenever men and women realize the place Place that we must position ourselves is in his presence. And then we reach that point where we say it's obedience to his word. And so Elisha sends a message to the king, says, have Naaman come over to my house. And so I imagine that Naaman said, okay, we're getting somewhere now. Maybe a little bit of a pop in circumstance. And, uh, and he comes in riding on his, his horse with his people behind him and, and looking all fancy smancy, all right? He gets to his house, and Elisha does not even come to the door. He sends his servant out and says, go tell Naaman to go dip in the river seven times. Let me show it to you in Scripture right here. Verse number 10 
says this, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over me and spout and cure, a cure uh, in my, of my leprosy. Is that as you and I realize that we have to deal with this level, and I put that little uh, addendum there on being obedient to his word because it's your choice. Every man and woman underneath the sound of my voice today, you have a choice to obey God or not to obey God. We were free men, created free will and free choice. I can look at Scripture and I can blow it off as antiquated and I don't know and I don't know. That's just historical. I can filter through the Bible and pick what I want to obey and what I don't want to obey. See, for too many of us, we have overrated our own opinion and underrated the opinion of God's Word and what God's Word says. We've upgraded how we feel. We've upgraded my, how, what I think, and we all want to have our thoughts and our opinion and, and our issue, and we want to put it out there, and we've downgraded what God's Word has said. And Naaman had a choice and decision to make right there. The ten lepers had a choice and decision to make whenever God spoke and said, Go dip yourself in the river seven times. Naming could decide, am I going to be obedient or am I going to be disobedient? And it's in the middle of that moment when you decide, are you going to walk in obedience to Christ? Because way too many of us overvalue our opinion. I want to tell you a simple truth today, and you've heard me say it before. Before when you stand in front of God Almighty, you take your last breath, the great white throne judgment. When you stand in front of him and you are uh, declaring, uh, and it's just you and him, can I help you today, you will not be judged according to your opinion. You will be judged according to the word of God, and that is it. You can say, but, but God, I was this. Oh, but God, I was an American. None of that matters. It's all null and void, my friend. You will stand and give an account for the word of God and your obedience to what he has declared. So you can filter through and like part of it and dislike other part of it. But if it's sin, it's sin. If it's hate, it's hate. If it's hurtful, it's hurtful. The Bible is clear. Regardless of your emotion and how you feel, his word is true, my friend. And you get to choose whether you're going to be obedient. And that takes us to number three. Band, I want you to go ahead and come up with me this morning. It takes us to this place of our attitude in our expectations. And this is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of us. And Naaman had a little attitude flare up. And God's trying to do a work in his life. But there was a little bit of pride maybe that manifested. How dare him? He wants me to go dip in the Jordan. And then you can continue to read and he actually says, are the rivers of Aram not better than the rivers that you're asking me to dip in? Couldn't you have at least come out here and waved your hand and healed my disease? See, how does that apply to us? Is a lot of us, well, you know what? If, if Pastor Brad would have just called me on the phone, if he would have, if, and we have an attitude and an expectation, and when our expectation is not met, it gives you the opportunity for that attitude that's inside of your heart, for that wound, that offense, for that hurt that's inside of our life that we are processing through. And the truth is today, some of us need to have an attitude. My mom used to say, you need an attitude adjustment. Hello? I need an attitude adjustment. You know, the only one who can really change our attitude is an encounter with the king. And you say, my Brad, my heart's not right. 
I believe that's the starting place of declaring my need for him. That my attitude, last week we actually said we called it an attitude of gratitude that that leper that came back became so grateful. But maybe today something that's stopping you from your breakthrough, stopping you from the miracle in your life, and stopping you from becoming whole is that stinky attitude, that chip on your shoulder that you've been walking around with, thinking that everybody owes you something. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your selfishness. Maybe it's your own arrogance. Maybe it's your hurt. Maybe it's your wounds. Maybe it's your offense that you're walking and you're carrying in your life. But the truth is today that you have an attitude that needs adjusting. You can work on yourself by yourself, but the only place that you can really have true transformation in his presence and every now and then there's a good friend so today can I just be your friend Naaman had this servant who walked up to him and said sir if he'd asked you to do something hard surely you would have done it but all that the prophet's asking you to do all that Elisha's asking you to do is to go dip in the river and I don't know the Bible don't tell us but I can imagine Naaman kind of stomped the whole way there. Maybe his lip pooched out just a little bit. Maybe he said, this is dumb. This is the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Who knows? But I'm not convinced that his attitude was right. But he goes and gets in the river. He dips one time, dips a second time, three, four, five, six. Maybe he comes up out of the water. See, this ain't going to work. This is crazy. These Israeli rivers of Jordan. But on the seventh time of his obedience to what God had spoke. See, maybe you come in here today and you said, Brad, I tried worshiping. And it just, I just ain't feeling. It just ain't working. I tried praying, it just ain't working. I tried being faithful, it just ain't working. Your job's to be obedient. His job's to bring the breakthrough. What if it's on the seventh time, the seventh dip, when a miracle came in Naaman's life? Could God have done it on the first? Absolutely. Why do we have to wait to the seventh? I don't know. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. Does God heal everybody that, that you pray for when they get sick? The answer is no. I've prayed for a lot of people who've gotten healed, but I've prayed for others and I've watched them God heal their body. Does God take away your depression the first time you hand it over to him and you try to hand it off? For some people, yes, I'm putting, I, I don't understand, but I do understand this. My job is to make the choice and decision to be obedient to his word, to trust him, and to keep being faithful, to keep putting myself in the position for his presence, to keep trusting him, and then to do number four there in your notes simply is this. If, there's, if no one else goes, even if I'm all alone, that one leper turns around, the other nine leave and, and I don't know maybe they ran back to their house maybe they ran back to their family maybe they ran back to their jobs I don't know but that one made a decision to say I'm going to go and get in his presence I'm going to go and, and access that relationship that I've never been able to have before I'm going to go pursue his heart and not just his hand I'm going to go yearn to be in the presence of Jesus and today you got to make a choice and decision my friend Naaman 
Verse number 15 there in your notes, put this. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He returned back. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you waiting on somebody else for your breakthrough? Are you waiting on somebody else? Say, Brad, my family won't pray with me. My, my, my spouse won't go to church with me. My spouse won't get in his presence with me. Quit blaming on anybody else. And it's just about you and yours, my friend. What if nobody else worships? That's okay. What if nobody else desires to be in his presence? That's okay. What if nobody else wants to come to church early to pray? What if nobody else wants to be faithful? What if nobody else wants to, to love him? Because that's okay. Because if nobody else goes, Brad, there's a warrior inside of me. I'm going to go. I am a hungry. I don't care what anybody else does to my left or to my right if if I'm all alone and by myself that's all right I'm gonna go love him are you with me today come on somebody I believe that today is your day your wholeness somebody needs to hear this this morning your wholeness is not attached to the obedience of somebody else your wholeness is attached to your obedience to the father it's not attached to anybody else's obedience. If it's you and you alone, my friend, are you ready today from front to back, side to side? My kids this past week were making fun of me. It's okay, I got big shoulders. And Cooper stands up and he says, from front to back, side to side, if you want to give your life to Jesus, that's my seven-year-old, by the way. <laughs> Then my 12-year-old says, if you'd like to give, text 84321. They're picking on us. <laughs> but from front to back, side to side, if you're all alone, it don't matter. What if you're the only one today that says, Brad, I want his presence. I want his presence when I wake up tomorrow. I want his presence when I go throughout my day. But you position yourself in his presence. Are you ready? Come on. From the front to back, side to side, will you stand up on your feet with me this morning? make that declaration in this house. Anybody want to go to his presence? It doesn't matter if somebody else is going to go with you. But right now you say, Brad, I need him in my life. There, there, as Pastor Heather leads us in one last moment of worship, we're going to go into his presence right now. And we're going to declare our affirmation. Just a reminder, immediately after service, we're going to have a little meet and greet for Pastor Danny and Miss Tina over in the coffee shop. Love for you to join us. But right now, we want to spend a moment in his presence. Can you make that decision right now and say, God, I choose you. Even if I'm by myself, even if you're the only one that's going after him right now. God, I love you and I need you in this place today. Can we worship him this morning from front to back, side to side? Can we give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise? And let's call on his name this morning. He's an awesome God. Come on, church family. Thank you for tuning in to the Life Church podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and tune in with us next week.